Happy weekend, Memphis! I am Toby Sells. I'm the news editor of the Memphis Flyer. And I'm the host of the first half of this radio show you are listening to right now. It's called Radio Flyer, and it's from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. Now, that's the alternative news weekly based right here in Memphis, Tennessee, USA, Planet Earth, Solar System, Milky Way. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say happy weekend. Because let's face it, everybody on your Zoom call this afternoon knows your head ain't in the game. They can see you looking out the window at all that springtime awesomeness out there. They they can tell you've got a, a VR daydream going on and you've put yourself out there on the grass. You're out there with a, a blanket and, and a beer and maybe there's a dog and you've got your copy of the Memphis Flyer cracked open and you're having a laugh at the Memernet or, or you're frowning thoughtfully down at Jackson Baker's politics column. But they all know, just like I know, that you're out there in your VR daydream reading the back of the Flyer, wondering just exactly what you're going to do this weekend once the boss stops going on and on about the third quarter financial results and then Jerome wants to say something but he's muted and then Kelly tells him he's muted but Jerome keeps talking and then everyone's talking all over each other to try to get Jerome unmuted and then the boss tries to share her screen but that doesn't work so how about I just go ahead and say happy weekend y'all it's a ton easier this way and and y'all know how it's going to end up because Jerome he just can't figure out Zoom They even got Matt from IT to go to his house and show him on his computer, and he still can't figure it out. (laughs) Jerome, this week popped with some vaccine news that may soon help out old Jerome up there. We'll get into the details later here, but it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to get a shot in Shelby County real soon. And now I know journalists are supposed to be objective, but heck, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think that's fantastic news better days are coming folks on this half of radio flyer we're going to have member net of course and we'll do some news we'll also help you get your weekend together with a little help from our calendar if you have little ones there's a dino dig at the pink palace this weekend that cannot be missed bruce van weingarten talks to us about that vanity fair story that published last week and had everyone in a in a tizzy well We almost had that story, too. I think a lot of other news outlets probably did, but we didn't have enough. Vanity Fair found enough, and Bruce will tell us all about it later. Sam Chichi will indeed talk soccer later on. Memphis 901 FC has been building its roster ahead of its season coming this summer. Chris McCoy will tell us about the Oxford Film Festival. It went semi-virtual again this year, but it got some help from Memphis's Malco Theaters, who brought them some jumbo outdoor movie screens. And Chris may also tell us about sitting through the more than four hours of Zack Snyder's director's cut of Justice League. I'll see if I can even get him to talk about it. After that, y'all are going to want to stick around for the second half of the show. Our music editor, Alex Green, is going to spin you some records and tell you some tales. And he's going to sound good doing it. That man's voice, well, it's like a, it's like cool water on a hot day. Okay, that'll do, Donkey. Here we go. Here we go. We're 
We're going to start this week like we do every week with a look right down the sunset-painted streets of the Membernet. It does, in fact, start with a stunning photo of South Maine. Photographer Russ Schaefer took and posted these amazing photos of a Memphis sunset last week. It's right there at Pearl's Oyster House, and it's the sky's all blue and purple and pink. You really have to see it to, to appreciate it pick up the flyer and, and have a look. Baker Isbull. This one is really cool. Memphis-based singer-songwriter Julian Baker had the massive honor of singing some Georgia music with icon Jason Isbull last week. In a tweeted photo, she says she's wearing a mask. She says, you can't see how hard I'm cheesing, but trust, she said. And there's a picture of her standing next to Jason Isbull. Very cool. Also, Unapologetic 901 gave some big ups to Memphis bassist and true original Mono Neon. They congratulated Mono Neon last week for playing on two Grammy-recognized songs. King's Disease by Nas actually won a Grammy, and Jesse Volume 3 by Jacob Collier was nominated. Big ups, Mono Neon. Memphis is proud. Looking at some news from the week that was, uh, here's that big vaccine news. All Tennessee adults will be eligible to get a COVID-19 vaccine no later than April 5th, state officials announced earlier this week. Last week, local leaders asked state officials to open vaccines in Shelby County up to all adults. Leaders here now say they want to open up shot availability in the next two weeks. The decision from state officials was based on two things. State health officials said a low uptake and growing supply of the vaccine. Dr. Lisa Piercy, the uh, Department of Health Commissioner, she said the uptake of the vaccine has been uneven across the state. For example, shot appointments were less than 20% filled in rural West Tennessee, but slots were more than 80% filled in the Upper Cumberland region of Middle Tennessee. For this, she said anyone who cannot find an appointment in their home county can travel to another county for a vaccine. Piercy announced that a growing supply of vaccine is headed for Tennessee. This week, she said the state received about 311,000 doses. Next week, thanks to a resuming supply of Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the state is expected to get about 350,000 doses. That's a 30% bump from week to week. Restaurants got some reprieve last week as COVID-19 re restrictions were relaxed. Some of the key changes in the new health directive will increase the number of people at tables from 6 to 8. Operating hours for dine-in service can now end at 1 a.m., the two-hour limit for food service is removed, and also the new health directive removes the requirement of maintaining contact tracing records, so no more signing in when you go to the restaurant or the bar. Health department officials said that the change comes as our COVID numbers are going down. Case numbers have continued to decline since early January, and weekly COVID-19 test positivity rates are the lowest they've been since October. In a story headlined, Hate Slate. Anti-transgender bills continue to progress through the Tennessee House and Senate. Bills some say are part of a national effort by opponents of LGBTQ equality across the nation. Three bills now heading through the committee processes in Nashville target transgender children specifically and are called the slate of hate by opponents. One would mandate student athletes play on the team, quote, determined by the student's sex at the time of the student's birth. We know now that that bill passed in the House this week and is headed to the governor's desk. Another bill would stop sexual identity change therapy to minors who have not yet entered puberty. Now, this is something that at least one physician said is not happening at all in the state currently. A last bill would, once again, mandate transgender students to use the bathroom determined by the sex listed on their birth certificates. 
Catherine Oakley, the state legislative director of the Human Rights Campaign, said during a press call last week that bills like these pose economic costs from the inevitable litigation that will follow their passage, but she said there's also a reputation cost for states like Tennessee that pass this kind of legislation. But finally, she said these bills have a human cost. She said we also see the harm these bills perpetrate even when they're just introduced. Even if they're not passed into law, the harm that folks go through watching their legislators debate the existence of trans youth is crushing. One Tennessee transgender youth, Adam, spoke during the press call last week. He said he's a pretty normal kid who likes video games, music, and art. The Mount Juliet 8th grader used to go to a public school and there was offered the bathrooms in the nurse's office, the guidance office, or the faculty bathroom. They weren't close to his classes, he said, and using them just made him stand out more and, quote, alienated me further. So I started not to drink anything during the day and holding it until I got home, said Adam. Everyone goes to the bathroom, so why should it be more difficult for trans kids who already have enough to worry about? Paul Young will lead the downtown Memphis commission after a board vote last week. Young has been the director of the City of Memphis Division of Housing and Community Development for many years. He takes the new post as DMC president after former CEO Jennifer Oswalt left in November. Young said he takes the post at a difficult time for downtown in the wake of the effects of COVID-19. We have to help downtown recover from a very, very tough period of time, he said. Everyone has had a tough time, but especially downtown Memphis, with the loss of visitors, and businesses have lost a lot of revenue. There's a lot of work to do to recover, and this will be an all-hands-on-deck effort. Young said he'll work to ensure downtown Memphis will reflect the character of the city of Memphis. He said he hopes to see increases in minority businesses downtown and spending with minority businesses on downtown projects. Bruce Van Weingarten, as you know, is the esteemed editor-in-chief of the Memphis Flyer. Every week he comes at you with a great column. This week is no different. Bruce, this week you wrote about that Vanity Fair article that just had everybody had everybody stirred up. It was, it was, uh, it was quite the buzz last week on uh, social media hereabouts. That's true. It's folks who don't know. Maybe it's, it was an article that went online on Vanity Fair and by a woman named Abigail Tracy, and it recounted what theoretically happened on January 6th that a we don't know about any of this factually at this point but it, it's apparent that maybe a jet full of eight rich Memphians took a private plane to uh, DC to theoretically participate in the rally to destroy the government and then flew back the same day that's so, right. And, yeah, and the, it's quite the buzz. And the headline, of course, it says a private jet of rich Trumpers wanted to stop the steal, but they don't want you to read this. And yeah, it, like you said, it wasn't subtle or not necessarily good, but man, it really captured people's attention. <laughs> that thing was sent around so many times. I had tons of people texting me about it and having a look and all that. And and when it came out, I mean, it wasn't a big surprise to us because when that, that photo was tweeted, we saw that. And this was months ago. And we tried to run it down, like yep. you said, and just couldn't quite get there. Well, it was it was a case of you would hear out in the community. Well, you know, the local media is afraid to take this on. They're afraid to take on the big, rich, wealthy people. In fact, I would have loved to have uncovered a real story there. But the Vanity Fair thing, even if you got through the three thousand words, they basically did not have any facts about whether all eight of these people that were in this photo 
win on that plane that day or whether they were standing outside the plane after it landed or whether they went and spent the day in a hotel bar or went shopping or whether they went in and, and beat up cops. We don't know anything about this story except that there was a photo that showed folks and it said Memphis Patriots. And so the implication there was that these folks went to DC on that day and, and were patriotic and tore down the Capitol. But well, there's nothing that was proved. So that was the point was that in, in this case, you have to, as a real journalist, you have to get more than just anonymous sources saying, we think these guys went to Washington and, and did bad things. You, <laughs> you just can't, that's not a story. And as you said, you tried to, to track it down and I called some folks and, and some folks ID'd the people in the photo for us, most of them, but uh, they aren't taking calls and they're not gonna admit that they did anything. So the media, Memphis media backed off of it as did we. Vanity Fair had no problem going ahead and, and cranking out 4,000 words right. on it. Yeah. Uh, and along the way, they, you know, they, like you said, kind of, you know, classic helicopter journalism came in, set this big stage and, and said some true and honest things in there, got some local folks to to comment on kind of what's going on. Of course, they dragged yeah. the, the, you know, Memphis Carnival and all that stuff along the way. But, but at the end of the day, really what they had, and everybody wanted this story, but what they were able to run down was that, like you said, the plane took off and landed somewhere that day. The photo, never be able to substantiate it, but they did kind of hit a really lucky home run in that they called Dobbs, and he just said no comment, but then he left his phone on for seven minutes while he was talking to somebody else. And even in the call, which was... It was pretty interesting, but he still didn't say, I'm glad that they didn't find out that it was me and my buddies that all went up there. He kind of, it was kind of a indirect kind of way of saying, you know, yeah, that was me. But they, they really didn't have anything, but people ate it up. Well, yeah, and, and but, you know, out of that story, the fact that there was so little factual uh, mm-hmm. stuff going on there, they were able to, it's almost like they had written the story and set up a, on a T-ball platter of, uh, a story about the cotton carnival right and they needed it pegged for it yeah because they spent a lot of time on that which uh admittedly is a it's a kind of a horrible thing in my opinion but and, and its history is pretty ugly and, and awful there were photos going around of back in the 40s and 50s of black men pulling parade floats yep. with the with the cotton carnival folks on the on the floats i mean it's a, its history is it's a, it's a terrible artifact of a, a time gone by i right. hope that seemed like the place they went with this story. It was like, hey, they're, they're women and they, they might have gone to the Capitol and done bad things, but also, hey, they go to the Cotton Carnival, too. Right. So exactly. I'm glad you defended local media in this in this story because, yeah, it, it looked like, you know, we didn't have the guts to do this story, but, in fact, we didn't have the right elements to do the story. So that's the reason local media didn't do it and why Vanity Fair can can do it. Bruce Van Weingarten is the editor of The Flyer. Bruce, thanks for coming on this morning, and, again, thanks for the column. Thank you, Toby. I enjoyed talking with you. All right, man. Take care. All right, let's turn back to our calendar section, see if we can't help you get your weekend together. This is called Digging It. This is the this is the Dino Dig event I was telling you about at the top of the show. It's not every day you have a chance to dig for fossils millions of years old like a real paleontologist. This weekend is your opportunity to try your hand at paleontology. This bone-rattling festival will feature intriguing stations, talks, games, and hands-on activities inside and outside the Pink Palace Museum. This is Fossil Fest, a Memphis Pink Palace Museum that's 3050 Central. This is Saturday tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. That runs again Sunday noon to 5. It's $20 for members 
and $25 for non-members. Saturday is the Lucero Family Drive-In. This is at Malco Summer Drive-In, 5310 Summer. It starts at 5, over at 11. It is $40. The annual picnic turns into a live and in-person drive-in concert featuring special guests American Aquarium and Corey Brennan. Easter extravaganza. You know, we can't get this close to Easter without saying extravaganza and being very excited about it. But this is at the Salvation Army Croc Center, 800 East Parkway. This is tomorrow, Saturday, from 11 to 1. It's free for members. There you can join RJ and the Easter Bunny and your friends at the Croc for a special Easter outing in the Pearson Garden. Here's a couple of events to get your body moving. Hoop Fitness. This is at uh, Shelby Farms Visitor Center, 6903 Great View. This is Saturday, 9.30 a.m. It's free. Get 30 minutes of fitness followed by open flow time to practice, play, express yourself, and ask questions. Hoops uh, will be provided on a first-come basis. And over at the Levitt Shell, Shell Health and Wellness Series, Girls on the Run, and Twilight Yoga and Pilates. Like I said, this is at the Shell 1928 Poplar. This is Monday, March 29th. It's at 4.30 and 5.30 p.m. It's free. Mindfulness and good health practices featuring classes and workshops added weekly. For more information, uh, visit the Facebook page. Did y'all know that the Flyers got a coloring book? Well, now you do. You can order yours today. It's going to benefit local artists and journalism. It's $35. This is just ongoing. Visit MemphisMagazineStore.com to get your own copy of the Memphis Flyer coloring book. Visit Crosstown Concourse for the Nightlife Exhibition. It's a big outdoor light installation by Lake Robertson Newton. This is ongoing. That's over at Crosstown 1315 Concourse. And this is a pretty interesting one. We Deliver from Memphis. It's an exhibition of work honoring essential workers. And this work is plastered on digital billboards all up and down I-55. Pick up the flyer and you can find out where all the locations are. Go over to uacmem.org, uacmem.org for more information. I'm excited to check it out. Over at Chuckles Comedy Club, Darren Big Baby Brand will play Friday through Sunday, March 26th through the 28th. He'll do shows at 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Tickets are $20 to $35. That's Chuckles Comedy Club, 1700 Dexter. The Comedy Junt, they're hosting a big uh, a big ticket of all kinds of different comedians there. It's $20 Friday through Sunday at 8 p.m. That's uh, the Comedy Junt. That's 4330 American Way. And finally, an outdoor pop-up flea market over at Brookhaven Circle. Shop local artists and enjoy food trucks outdoors. This is over at Brookhaven Circle. That's 751 Brookhaven Circle. This is free. This is Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 5. Samuel X. Chichi covers soccer for the Memphis Flyer. A good morning, Sam. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Toby. Thanks for having me on again today. Absolutely. Now, I have been doing something. I know I, we just talked, but uh, I have been watching Ted Lasso, so I feel like I know soccer. No, that's actually not true at all, Sam. I, I will take a line from Ted Lasso and tell you that you could fill two internets with what I don't know about soccer, but you do. You keep a really close watch on it. We appreciate it. Right now, they're building the team for their, their upcoming season. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. We're up to 11 players now, so still a little bit short for those who don't know soccer super well you need 11 people to field the full team but normally a squad size will be closer to a little over 20 players maybe up to 24 okay they've got the space and uh so yeah there's still oh sorry go no, ahead please go ahead oh yeah i'm just saying you know the season could start anywhere between april 15th or may 15th so it's a little concerning that we're so short in players at the moment but um 
hoping that Craig Unger, Tim Howard, and the rest of the technical staff are really working hard to bring those names in. What do you think about the people they've signed so far? How's the team shaping up? Uh, there are a few interesting acquisitions here. I'll admit I'm unfamiliar with a few of the people. We got some newcomers, but on the flip side, we got some veterans. Just to throw out a few names, I think on the defensive line, Zach Carroll, center back, and Mark Segber is a fullback. They've both been with the team before. They're going to make pretty good pretty good starters for the team if they can lock that position down. I think Mark specifically was scouted out by a top-level team, a Los Angeles FC last year, and got a few months of experience on loan with them. He was... Even just on the eye test, he's one of our best players last season, making really good runs down the flank, perfect for an assist. He can grab a few goals himself. Really excited to have him back. In the midfield, we got Mitch Guitar, which I think is maybe the best name. Classic name. That the Memphis team could have. <laughs> I know, I couldn't believe it. And then yesterday you wrote about, well, I say yesterday, earlier this week you wrote about that guy Breck that they, they got on. That was the only name that stuck in my head. It was B-R-E-C-C. That was the reason the name is in my head. He sounded uh, he sounded like he'd had a great career so far already. Yeah, it's really good. He's uh, had a lot of years of experience come through the FC Dallas Academy, which is a, also a top-level Major League Soccer side. Breck Evans, he's 21 years old, really promising player. He's a great passer, has a high percentage of completion rates, makes a lot of passes. That is a really critical thing for teams that want to play the possession game and kind of be on the front foot. And I think just having that composure in the back line really can make a huge difference in case you're kind of up against it during the game. So in 2019, he played in the USL League One, which is just a division below Memphis's side, played for North Texas SC, and he captained the team to the division title. So he's a winner yeah. already. Yeah, I've had some... Yeah, had some success in the academy. So I think just bringing in someone like that to pair with the veterans, that could make a really formidable back line if we can kind of get everyone on the same page. Now, as we're kind of looking uh, ahead to this next, this upcoming season, how did how did Memphis do last season? Last season was tough for Memphis. It kind of took them a while to find their identity. There were some really close results that many of which just did not go our way. We had to fire our coach, Tim Mulqueen, partway through the season just because the results weren't going our way. We would have like, I would say we'd have 60 minutes of really good play during a game. And then during the last 30, things would just crumble. We'd concede a goal, drop points that we needed to qualify for the playoffs. We unearthed the gem and Cal Jennings, who kind of carried the team on his back through the tail end of the season and racked up a lot of goals. But he unfortunately is not with us again this year. So it's going to be, I think we're kind of building from the ground up. We still haven't decided on whether the assistant or interim coach Ben Pierman will take the mantle full-time or if they're going to bring in a new name and I can't really say how the attacking side of the game is going to play out we've got a few names we've got Kyle Murphy who scored 13 league goals in 2019 which is a good haul but honestly there's still just so many questions up in the air that it's hard to say how the team will really take shape across the board and I don't know if how I'm stammering here how do you think that how do you think the season will play out this year for fans and COVID-19 have they released anything are they saying anything about it yeah, I asked the organization yesterday. The home opener isn't until June 16th. They are expecting to have capacity restrictions in place, but they're not going to gauge the exact number of tickets available until we're closer to the to the opening day and we have more information. Well, fantastic. Sam, again, Sam Chichi covers Memphis 901 FC for the Memphis Flyer, and we're really glad that you do. Sam, thanks so much for your time and your attention, buddy. Thanks. Of course. Hope everything uh, made sense. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Sam, take care, man. Thanks, Toby. See you too. Ya. 
And as y'all know, Christopher McCoy is our film and TV editor. Good morning, Chris. How you doing, bud? Good morning, Toby. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited about the uh, Oxford Film Festival this weekend. That's right. Yeah, down in down in Oxford, Mississippi. Melanie Addington is the executive director, and Melanie last year was faced with the really impossible choice of, you know, do I cancel this this festival in the face of COVID or do I try to keep going? And this was in March. Like that's when her festival was supposed to go. Oh, man. So nobody had faced this choice before, and she did a really good job saving that festival over the last year. She was a pioneer. The, the whole festival was a pioneer in what's been known as, you know, streaming or online festivals. And it's, you know, she, I, I have nothing but admiration for the job that, that she did. And Oxford Film Festival is a great local, you know, cultural institution. It's down in Oxford, but we're going to embrace them. We're going to call them local. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Because, yeah, here's how they're doing it this year. This weekend, they're having an in-person festival but it's all outside and socially distanced. The, the Malco Theater, I, the Malco Commons in Oxford, that theater, across the parking lot, there's a meadow and they've set up they, these custom made circus tent like structures with screens in them. Oh. So they're, they're, they're screening outdoors there. And then there's, they're screening in the, a, a pop-up drive-in in the Oxford High School parking lot as well. And then they're also doing one at uh, Oxford Conference Center. Okay. Yeah. So they're doing, so they have three locations and they're all fairly close together down there. This weekend is all, you know, like I said, in person, but outdoors and socially distanced with lots of good ventilation, which is what you want to keep from getting COVID. Right. And then in April, it, they're going to move virtually. They're going to move online and they're going to be offering all of their films streaming uh, online for the entire month of April. And I'm going to keep writing about those and, and updating you, everyone, periodically. It's like, here's some selections that you can, you know, see. Oxford calls themselves a discovery festival, which is, which means that you'll see stuff there that is really rare that you're not going to see anywhere else. This might be the only place that this film ever plays. You know, uh, a lot of young filmmakers, uh, a lot of experimental stuff. The one film that, I sounds exciting to me is called 5,000 aliens, 5,000 space aliens. <laughs> wow, and it yeah. is a, a, it's an animated film they're doing at the powerhouse down there, which is not the powerhouse downtown, but it is an art gallery called the powerhouse. They're doing projected installations, which is sort of like, you know, film presented as an art where you can go in and out and check it, you know, check it out. Right. Presented like more like visual art. And 5,000 space aliens is literally 5,000 space aliens. That's what it is. <laughs> this guy Drew's animator drew 5,000 space aliens, and they just, he just, that's what it is. And which, which that is right awesome. up my alley. Yeah, frankly. I love it. I love it. Yeah, like, like the weirder the better, as far as I'm concerned. And that is going on. That's going to be projected at the Malco on the side of the Malco Theater tonight, which is Friday night. And then it's also going to be at the Powerhouse. Also tonight down there is Reunion which is a film that Adam Hohenberg, who is a Memphis, longtime Memphis film producer and supporter of Indie Memphis, he produced with uh, Jake Mahaffey, from, who is an American director who lives in New Zealand. And uh, this film is like sort of an art horror film where, or psychological horror film where a uh, young woman is pregnant and she goes and moves back in with her parents. And then she, as she, she discovers dark secrets in her parents' past and her past that she'd forgotten as she, like, you know, gets more and more pregnant as the pregnancy, like, okay. goes on. 
And it's a very chilling, very tense film, but visually very beautiful. And yeah, Adam and Jake, they did a great job on this one. And I highly recommend that. Tomorrow night down there, there's an also a lot. I mean, there's lots of films. They're gonna have, they got three screens running, you know, at all times. The one that I really like that is tomorrow night is called Bleeding Audio. And that is gonna be at the uh, high school drive-in starting about 1030. And that is a documentary about the pop punk band, The Matches, okay. which is a, uh, band that was popular sort of they had a cult following in the early 2000s but then they fell into this moment where cd sales plummeted because the online streaming music was taking off at that time so they were they were caught in that moment when the the music industry really didn't have a business model and a lot of people's careers suffered and they folded you know after that because they they couldn't make any money even though they had an audience and then a few years later, I, I think like two or three years ago, they started a comeback tour and everybody was really happy to see them. And fortunately, they had the director there who was filming this this whole thing. And it's really it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting for the band's personalities. They're they're nice guys. They're cool guys and they're all very different guys. And then also for sort of the discussion of what happened to the music industry, you know, in the 2000s, I think that's really interesting. There's so much more down there though. Like I, I can't even begin. I think they have like 150 films altogether. Wow. So you can go to, you can go to, uh, you know, Oxford Film Festival, you can Google that, go to their website. Uh, you can see the whole, the whole schedule. And on April 1st, which is, you know, when they're gonna kick off their virtual festival, they're going to have a, a big screening of Labyrinth, the uh, Jim nice. Henson movie starring David Bowie. Yeah, you know the one. Yeah. And Jim Henson is from Mississippi. I don't know if a lot of people know that. What? I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yes, he's from rural Mississippi. There, that's going to be the in-person event that kicks off their virtual festival. So anyways, lots of good stuff down there. Highly recommend checking it out. If you don't feel comfortable showing up in person, go and sign up for uh, a month's worth of virtual films. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and you can watch them all in your house while you wait to get your vaccine. <laughs> well, it's so cool that they pivoted and were able to kind of put together a virtual and an in-person thing and do the outdoor parking lots. Hopefully, this will be the last year that, uh, that this film festival, which is a fantastic festival, ever right. has to go, you know, semi-virtual again. Hopefully, this thing's almost done. So, well, Chris, thank you yeah. so much for letting us know about the film festival and how you can watch everything. Y'all go check it out. It's the Oxford Film Festival. Again, just Google that, and you can find all the information. Chris, thanks so much. Thanks, Toby. folks that's going to do it for my half of radio flyer stick around for the better half of the show featuring our music editor alex green he's going to spin you some records over there and uh, and get your weekend kicked off properly all right alex take it away thank you all for joining me thank you <laughs>